Welcome back to Seriously Funny. I'm your host, Mashnor Kabir, and I believe in cat girls. This week, we talk about how to handle disappointment. This is something that I briefly talked about way back in episode 10, before the video version ever existed, before I scripted episodes at all. I really wondered whether or not this podcast has gotten better over time, and listening to episode 10 over again has definitely told me I've gotten better. In episode 10, I talked about a bunch of random stuff, so this episode will be dedicated purely to the idea of dealing with disappointment. I'm shamelessly recycling content, but at least I admit that. So we'll split this into three sections like we normally do. So understanding disappointment, dealing with disappointment, and what to do when you're disappointed. You know, literally what to do when a plan for say falls through. You know, what now, right? So disappointment feels like well, garbage. <laughs> that's the that's the content that you're here for. I know. Pretty wild. You know, like and subscribe just for that. I will be here until I'm not here. A disappointment is going to involve feelings of frustration and depending on who you are and what you're like, some anger and or sadness. I'm not going to define what anger and sadness are. I'm not that desperate, at least not right now. Okay. And honestly, if you're listening to this and you've never heard my voice before, you're probably looking into this topic because you want to know how to be less disappointing, meaning you feel it right now or you felt it recently, or you're just, you know, in the pursuit of knowledge, which Power to you, if that's you, okay? I respect that. But uh, overall, though, disappointment can happen when we expect something and then don't get it. I will, however, talk about some research on disappointment. I didn't expect to do this, but I did go ahead and read a few papers for you guys, uh, all in the description as usual. In the brain, of course, where does disappointment really come from? And so what it seems like the research points to is a not very well-known area of the brain that's probably like this this big, very small, probably like a few centimeters, uh, maybe an inch for audio listeners. And this area of the brain is called the habenula, which is honestly a really cool name. This serves to connect the limbic forebrain and the midbrain. So more or less, it's uh, in the middle of your brain, uh, but it's going to be uh, towards the back in terms of the horizontal axis and then in the middle in terms of the vertical axis. So right about there, probably, if you're if you're watching the video version. It's an old structure. So the older structures in the human brain are involved in feeling more than thinking. So it's involved in the limbic system and feeling stuff. It's, it's an emotional part of the brain. And it controls some of the serotonergic and dopaminergic systems in the brain. So monomonergic systems overall. And so you've probably heard of serotonin, which is the main feel-good neurotransmitter. If anything, you've heard about it on this podcast. And then you are, you've also probably definitely heard of uh, dopamine. So serotonin is involved in good feelings and emotional regulation, as well as a bunch of other things. Uh, But mainly what we know it for uh, is the emotional involvement. Dopamine is contrary to popular belief. Dopamine is not exactly the feel good hormone or feel good neurotransmitter. I think serotonin takes that name way better. Uh, dopamine does make you feel good. However, dopamine is a big learning trans- neurotransmitter in the brain. Although it's often to be a feel-good neurotransmitter, it does. It's more involved in strengthening synaptic pathways, which is the neurological way of saying more involved in learning stuff. So making it so the neurons' connections are better, moves faster. That means you can you know recall information better or form habits better. So when you're forming habits, you want dopamine to 
to go poo poo in the brain, right? The other two important neurotransmitters we should mention is the inhibitory and excitatory duo, the main ex- inhibitory and excitatory duo, GABA, short form of gamma aminobutric acid, and glutamate. GABA slows stuff down in your body. Glutamate speeds stuff up in your body, to put simply at least. Uh, these two neurotransmitters regulate the output of the habenula, specifically the lateral habenula. In papers, it's often referred to in the acronym LHBNA or LHANA or LHBA. Something, LH something. All right. If you open the papers up, you'll know what I'm talking about when you, if you read them. No one's going to read them. Glutamate turns this habenula on, which makes the habenula inhibit the firing of dopamine and serotonin. So it's an inverse correlation. The more glutamate, so the more turned on the habenula is, the less the positive. Uh, neurotransmitters fire. It's this inverse correlation. The more activity in the habenula, the less activity in these monominergic systems. Dopamine and serotonin are monominergic. So when I say monominergic systems, it means dopamine and serotonin. There's also some other monomines in the brain, but for for this case right now, dopamine and serotonin are monominergic systems. Uh, We also know that hyperactivity in this area may reduce motor function. So if disappointment makes you feel less giddy and less flexible, similar to feeling tired, that That's why, because when this part of the brain turns on, it makes you slow down a little bit from what we've seen. Since the abenula has connections to some of the circadian systems in the brain, so the pineal gland, for instance, it may be involved with feelings of sleepiness. And so when it's turning on, uh, which happens with glutamate and GABA being shot in there to control the response of how on it's going to be turned... Uh, what we don't like is when GABA release, when the GABA released into it is a lot lower. The ratio of glutamate to GABA is lower. So GABA is the slow down one, to, as a reminder. So when that ratio of glutamate is like way high and GABA is way low, we get this super just increased activity in this, in this habenula and that turns off the, the good neurotransmitters. And so that's what causes this feeling of disappointment. We've seen in monkeys that the habenula turns on whenever they don't get an expected reward, which is what disappointment is. It's when you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen. I mean, I guess it could go the other way. What would the opposite of disappointment be? Surprise? Yeah, I guess it would be surprise good surprise. Sometimes if you expect something bad to happen and it doesn't happen, that's a great surprise. But generally when you expect something, a positive thing to happen and it doesn't happen, that's that's where disappointment comes from. To offer a better definition than whatever garbage I set up there a few seconds ago. We also see that hyperactivity in the habenula is related to depression. So if you feel bad after you get disappointed, this is why. The brain stops the systems of the brain that make you feel good. We also know from the happiness advantage, you better have listened to the book review last week, that looking forward to something will have a similar neurological response to the actual activity. When you don't get that reward, it doesn't feel very good. Think about the discomfort you may feel if you don't brush your teeth one morning. It's a bit gross, isn't it? Oh, but you have this super just habitual activity, and if you don't do it, it's just not doing this habit that you're used to doing. You're just going to feel really off. Other than your mouth feeling 
absolutely garbage. It's it's just going to feel gross. When I wake up, the first thing I do is brush, pee, and shower, okay? Sometimes there have been days just being super tired or whatnot. I peed and then went to the shower, and then in the shower, I realized I didn't brush. And so, obviously, it's not a big deal. I didn't go outside of the bath. I mean, I'm still in the bathroom, so I just brush after my shower. But, like, it, when I'm in the shower and I realize I didn't brush, awful, awful experience. It sucks. I'm like, oh, God, this is awful. And so then I finish my shower up quickly and go brush my teeth. You know, brush twice a day, great dental health, very important for a happy life, okay? I know he didn't mention it in the book, Sean Aker, but, you know, make sure you brush twice a day. It'll it'll help a lot with everything, I promise. And that's why disappointment sucks. Uh, science, you know, the habenula, again, really fun word. Really cool, isn't it? I, I'm definitely going to need to have timestamps on this one. Anyways, it's important to understand the disappointment and understand how it makes us feel because the first step in stopping disappointment is knowing that we are or we or or that we are feeling or are we or are about to feel disappointed or disappointment. Uh, you can't fix something you don't know exists, right? So awareness and having the ability to quickly recognize that we're disappointed is importante. You know what I'm saying? So it's important to feel that. And also, I think it's super powerful and super cool to understand that disappointment is caused by this tiny little thing in your brain. You know, you feel this massive emotion, but it comes from like this, you know, that just makes me not want to feel disappointed. There's no way something that small can ruin my day. I don't, I don't want, I can't give that up. I don't want to give that power to such a tiny little system. Uh, But one of the things that that's talked about a lot in medicine is especially in the osteopathic field is the idea of prevention rather than rehabilitation rather than merely treating an illness it's let's treat the risk factors way beforehand so that we never have it right so if you are uh, someone who like your family has a history of diabetes for example rather than letting you get diabetes and then you know giving you the insulin and whatnot we can treat that if you have diabetes you know we have great technology that lets you live your life more or less normally you know every now and then you gotta do the insulin thing but other than that you know you can live and you'll be all right however uh, some doctors so especially doctors of osteopathic medicine what they say is like oh in your family history there's a history of diabetes so let's look at that and we know that will increase your chances so what we can do is right now starting today not waiting until it happens right now let's make sure our eating habits are good make sure, make sure our exercise habits are good and let's make sure we're doing x y and z to make sure that we never get diabetes at all rather than fixing the you know treating the diabetes when we get it why don't we just avoid it altogether? And so that does require work a lot earlier in the process and, you know, having the foresight, but that's what we really want. That's one of the things that's been growing in medicine. How do we just prevent the illness from ever happening? And uh, in the West, we do have this, you know, a thing with just, oh yeah, we have a pill for everything. But uh, rather than that, I think that changing your lifestyles, making it so that you can change your life before, your life changes because of an illness is a lot better than having to just take a bunch of pills. Right? I just, you know, prevention is better than rehabilitation. Okay. So here I'll talk about two things, not just how to deal with disappointment, but also how to deal with life in a way that makes it so you don't feel disappointment when disappointing things happen. Let's start with where you are now feeling disappointed. All right. So you're sad. Your habenula, which is honestly a fun word is super active. And the thing is lighting up like the 4th of July combined with Hiroshima. I don't know if I can make that joke. It is going wild. And so your dopamine and serotonin, all of your feel goods 
are just, you know what I'm saying? And so how do we fix that? Well, we could do something else. We could distract ourselves, you know, run away from the problem completely. And sometimes for disappointment, that's enough. If you're disappointed by something sad, like, uh, I, you, um, I, 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 uh, what's, what's a small thing to be disappointed by? You wanted to buy a video game, cyberpunk. And then it got delayed. You know, that's not something that's going to ruin your entire life. Some people actually, it's, it, generally, it's not something that's going to ruin your entire life. If it's something like that, something that's temporary anyways, then, you know, distraction, I think, is a fine way to handle that. You know, we often talk about how distraction or running away from problems is not a great way to cope with it, but it really depends on the scale of the problem. If the problem is temporary in nature, e.g. the cyberpunk thing, then, you know, running away from it is fine because it, it's like it's going to stop running after you at some point very quickly. So it doesn't matter for bigger things. You know, distraction isn't a great way, but, you know, uh, kaboom kaplow no more disappointment just good vibes if you distract yourself sometimes if you want a more hands-on method for uh, you know some more serious things a bit more therapy big psychology sort of method uh, then you don't run away from your disappointment and you understand the situation well enough so the disappointment dissipates uh, understanding and being okay with an acceptance is the way that you're going to help dissipate that disappointment a lot of d words here if you had plans with someone and their their wife started giving birth or something and they had to say, oh, sorry, I can't make it, you, you, you know, maybe you should think about that and, and you'll feel a little bit less disappointed when you realize that you're being a selfish effing jerk, all right? His wife's going into labor, dude. You're not entitled to his time. What the frick is wrong with you? But the goal here is to make you stop feeling disappointed. Like we said a second ago, what we really want is to not feel disappointed in the first place. How do we prevent it rather than treat it? Though there's the treatment. Uh, how do we how do we do the prevention though? If you're feeling disappointed right now, as you're you know you found this video and for some reason you're like ten minutes in, just uh, this is a video. You found this podcast and for some reason you're ten minutes in already, and you just want to know, uh, and you're you're just feeling it right now. It will go away. You know, sorry to burst your bubble. I know that's you don't want to hear that. I don't know you don't want to hear things get better. But for disappointment it does go away, you know? So maybe if you think about it again later, it will, it will come back. But generally, it's a, it's a temporary sort of feeling. It fades away. It might be a bit more prolonged if you're depressed and your habenula is already broken, uh, in which case you need therapy, right? And you need to work on your depression, which will naturally make you more resilient to disappointment. We have seen some great evidence that you know working on your depression overall makes you more resilient to negative situations and disappointment. Your habenula is better regulated and it's doing a good thing. We actually have seen SSRIs. When we give people SSRIs, it actually makes the habenula activate less and then it actually causes less disappointment. So, you know, cool part about SSRIs. And now for prevention. Stoicism talks a lot about how you should live in the moment. Be okay with things. We're not going to jump into that right now because I'll make an episode on Stoicism itself one day, hopefully. But for now, let's say that disappointment comes when you expected something to happen and it didn't happen. Something good to happen specifically and it didn't happen. The issue here is the E word, expected. Expectations are the thief of joy. A great quote from MKBHD. If you want to avoid disappointment completely, you should not expect things at all, especially things that are out of your control in some way. Now, this is a bit 
tricky because it, you, if you make plans with someone, you should be prepared to follow through with those plans, right? And being optimistic enough to believe that hopefully things won't go wrong is fine, but great even. We, spend, we spent an hour last week on a book that talked about why optimism is incredible. But if we look at the wording there, we are prepared and hopeful, not expecting. Being prepared is important just to be ready for what is most likely going to happen. Unless you're making plans with your friend Justin, who always flakes on things, you know, it's most likely that when you make plans with someone, it won't fall through. Except for you, Justin. Screw you. Another way to be prepared is to have an idea of what to do if it does fall through. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? That applies here too. You don't need to sit down and write a plan B for if your friend can't make it to something, right? That's just, that's a wacky. Don't do that. Uh, you, you know, but you can really easily think uh, if he can't make it, what other equally fun thing can I do? Like, I don't know why you're washing the dishes or something. Just like, oh, what if you can't make it? Like, what should I do instead? You know, you don't need to sit down and effing pop out your paper, pencil, your effing iPhone notes. Like I've told you before, there are some great things to write down. This is not one of them. Don't do that. That's weird. Okay. This is too much. And this puts a bit more control back in your hands. If you just simply think about, you know, what you can do just in case something does come up or he can't make it, or he just starts hating you for some reason, who knows, or she, I don't know, could be a date. But when you have plans or something, or you have something you want, or, or something you're anticipating to happen, you just very briefly ask yourself, oh, what if it, what if it doesn't happen? Uh, in which case, then you can go ahead and uh, then you have a backup plan, very, you know, very simple backup plan. And the goal for that backup plan is for it to be equally as enjoyable as what you would have gotten instead. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But this puts more control back in your hands. Uh, if or when Justin bails on you, you can shrug and say, well, I guess I get to play Genshin for an hour now and eat an entire tub of ice cream while you're at it. That'll be good, won't it? Uh, the last thing I'm going to say about never feeling disappointed ever is that it will probably never work. Here's the thing. It's not impossible. You can be enlightened, in which case you're completely present and disappointment comes from a possible future that didn't happen. If you don't think about the future, there is no disappointment, right? However, we are human beings, not Buddhas. And as I went over uh, at the top of the episode, disappointment is a natural neurological response to things happening. So here's the thing. When you want something to happen, when you're looking forward to something and that thing doesn't happen or it falls through... That sucks, and I don't care what monk comes and disagrees, but it just objectively sucks. However, I'm going to be the monk that comes and disagrees. Uh, of course, it's not objective. It, uh, I myself honestly rarely get disappointed. I just don't feel it that often. But look, it, it still sucks when these things happen. Right? I can admit that it sucks. Uh, a few yesterday, I was looking for some deviled eggs. It was my brother's birthday the night before. I go to bed at nine and I had work the next day. So I had to go to bed a bit early and I didn't get to indulge myself in the deviled eggs. But I really like them. And so I was wondering if there were some left in the fridge. So before I went to work, I thought I'd let me eat a few. And then I opened the fridge where they would probably be. And then I couldn't find them. They were there, which I found later on. But at the time, at the moment before work, and I was honestly running a bit late, I couldn't find them. And at that moment, most people, some sort of disappointment. For me, I was like, ah, well, that sucks. And then I, I went about my day. It didn't matter too much. Uh, you know, these things 
happen, right? And so, yes, regardless of what I'm, I'm honestly just saying this last part about how sometimes things suck just to make you feel better. But yes, it is possible to become maybe not resilient to everything, but to, you know, there's different levels of disappointment. There are, you can like, you know, simple things again, that don't have much impact on your life. Honestly, there you can easily get to a not easily you can with work probably in like a few months of work get to a point in life where you don't feel disappointed by such frivolous things you know when you understand when you gain some maturity and understand what is and isn't important deviled eggs aren't important they're good not not important i don't think that's a problem but i don't think there's a problem overall with feeling a little bit down especially if something like really rough happens something that does impact your life to a little or a lot of bit uh, you know the uh, if you want to feel bad feel disappointed that's fine but the frustration and the anger part yeah no that's no bueno do not get angry do not take it out on people do not get upset do not be a baby okay it's okay to think man this sucks. Now I have to eat an entire tub of ice cream, but it's not okay to go yell at your other friends about how Justin is a piece of doo-doo. You know, don't be mad about it. You can tell that to his face the next time you see him, if you really want to. The last thing I have here is what to do when your plans fall through, specifically with another person, really. It's life. It happens sometimes. And when it does, you know, what do you do? Well, I covered this a little bit earlier, but have a backup plan. It doesn't need to be elaborate. It can be a show, better yet, an anime you've wanted to watch or resume watching, a game you wanted to play or resume playing, or a barely sociable video that you haven't seen yet. Heck, maybe you can finally start reading that book that has an inch layer of dust on it in your shelf. Uh, the only recommendation I'd have is to make it in similar, if similar in excitement level to the other engagement that fell through. Not more exciting because then you might not want to do the other thing, but similar so that you have something to look just as forward to regardless of what happens. I don't know if I would tell you to do something productive. I think I, I in episode 10, I did say have something productive to do. I'm not going to say that this time. If things fall through, you know, sometimes I'll do something productive. But I don't think that everyone should follow that method. It's honestly, uh, we generally don't look forward to doing productive things, okay? We just like the idea of being productive. Look, life is a lot easier to handle disappointment when reading research papers is fun, okay? So if someone cancels their plans on me and it's like, oh, I have to read research papers for my next like YouTube script or podcast script... For me, that's an enjoyable experience. I say, like, oh, I'm get to sit down and read some papers. Yeah, baby, I'm I'm loving that. Right? I, it, you know, it makes life a little bit easier when the productive things are fun. Right? I enjoy working on my YouTube. I enjoy working on my podcast. Sometimes it's rough and it takes a lot out of me, but I enjoy doing it generally. So for me, being productive is easy to do when things happen or fall through because. I enjoy it, right? And I also just have an addiction to being productive because I'm a toxic productivity loser. But anyways, I don't need to show or video games. I can sit down, put on some lo-fi and start Googling and I'll be satisfied. And if that's you, power to you. 
Don't burn yourself out though. There are situations when you get disappointed by other things though. Maybe you had a meeting with investors and it didn't pan out. Maybe you wanted to eat a tub of ice cream, but someone got there before you. Uh, Those are situations where you should look more into what I said earlier. Look more into avoiding disappointment. Have hope, but be prepared. Those are things that need to be dealt with rather than something that simply happens. And now you have free time, right? Like someone canceling plans, it's something that happened and now you have free time. Uh, If you don't get your ice cream, be prepared to buy more or not be a pig for once. Uh, If you don't get your money, be prepared to put in more work for investors specifically there. You know, if you're like working and your employer doesn't pay you, you don't put in more work, you complain or quit. But you know, be prepared to put in more work or think about what you're doing. Again, if you're a business person who the investor meeting fell through. Preparation applies a ton more to these situations than when someone bails on you, right? Like I said, it's really simple to just think about what am I going to do when Justin cancels? But it's a little bit, you know, you have to think a little bit more of like, oh, okay, if this investor meeting falls through and I don't get any money, you know, Either do I have other meetings lined up or how much do we need? How can we deal with what we have now, etc. Right? You have to think about all of those things. Uh, so far, I have read pretty far into Oyasumi Punpun. I'm on chapter 100 something. Uh, more thoughts when I finish it, but yeah, it really makes me think. I have also completed Assassination Classroom. It is, yeah, it was really good. It was just, ah, oh, man, it hurt. It hurt bad. It, it very... Very, very good anime for sure. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Great action, great comedy, great character, chemistry. The art style is pretty sick. Everything is really good. The story is absolutely wonderful. And and by the end, like you really are invested and you care in, in the characters and the people and everything that happens. And it's really good. I finished it this morning, actually. It was it was it was a time it, it's it's really good aside from that mgk dropped the deluxe of mainstream sellout which is pretty good i think there was six extra songs on there weston estate dropped a single so good which is so good uh, and glaive dropped a single minnesota is a place that exists which is true <laughs> and it's it's a really good song too That is all, though, for this episode of Seriously Funny. Sources in the description, as always. I will talk at you next week. Much love. Be prepared. Peace.